This is Paul. And this is Wayne. So, guys, I participate in a uh, a service, actually a couple of services, that uh, connect podcasts together uh, so that you can promote each other and, you know, guest on each other's shows and whatnot. And I responded to a... Uh, a podcast that was looking for guests, and the, the, the theme of the podcast was uh, ghost stories, like real live ghost stories. And so, you know, I, I, I sent him a note, uh, explained my experience in uh, with ghost stories, and, and he responded. And I'm going to read our email exchange. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for responding to my call for guests. Your experience growing up in a haunted home is, I'm sure, fascinating. Your site, iomgeek.com, is amazing. Lots of great things to explore, particularly Ghosts of Rainsboro, uh, Four Hauntsmen, and your Halloween Horror Nights coverage. Lots of high-quality entertainment. You guys have a long history of podcasting. No doubt my Ghost Story podcast would benefit from partnering with your site. However, I cannot have you on my podcast. The language you use is too colorful for my show. Mine is a family podcast. Yours are explicit in tone. No hard feelings. Best wish, best wishes, Ghost Story Podcast Guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't just, like, not cuss on the show. <laughs> so I responded, dear Ghost Story Podcast Guy, fuck you. <laughs> Oh, I saw that one coming. <laughs> you did not. I did. Aaron. <laughs> I did. It, because, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are not making any friends. <laughs> I mean, to know, Paul, to know the language means that they've listened. Well, and I'm just like, of course, you know, you. it's the setting of the podcast. I mean, you hear that on podcasts all the time. Hey, what are the rules, right? I just, ah, oh, just irritated the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> He's listening to this right now, like. Yeah, motherfucking cocksucking motherfucker is what I'm like. <laughs> oh, <to say>. Jesus. <laughs> this is that explicit, colorful language. Uh-huh. Oh, error. <laughs> Speaking of explicit things, uh huh. So, um, regular, you know, uh, contributor to iomgeek.com and friend of the podcast and friend in general and co host on the Four Hauntsmen, um, Kyle from View from the Cheap Seats. You mean that whore Kyle? That whore Kyle from View yeah. from the Cheap Seats, View from the Whore Seats. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> He he reached out to me. Um, he Kyle has actually uh, established a friendship with uh, Jim Ballant, and you know anyone who's my age probably remembers Jim Ballant from a pretty iconic run with Chuck Dixon on Catwoman back in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Jim Ballant, you know, designed the voluptuous purple costumed Catwoman, um, you know, back in the nineties. I was a huge fan of his, and Jim Ballant apparently is a big Halloween Horror Nights and Theme Park fan, loves Kyle's View from the Cheap Seats YouTube channel. They have um, become friends. Um, you know, They hang out together when, when Jim Ballant is uh, down in Florida. And recently Kyle mentioned, reached out to me to say, hey, you know, Jim and Holly, Holly is Jim's wife, they have been self-publishing a comic called Tarot, Witch of the Black Rose, for years now. They're on issue 122. Um, that's not including, you know, side projects and one-shots and specials and crap like that. So he's like, Jim, because they're on a first-name basis, 
is going to draw me into an upcoming issue of tarot. And like tarot is like, you know, I've never read an issue of the book. And, uh, you know, I just know it's got voluptuous women on the cover and, you know, like skin, you know, kind of like um, Deja Thorist kind of clothing yeah. on the cover. Yeah. Okay. It's like, like a dynamite cover. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I was thinking Xenoscope yeah. cover. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, very much so. And so I was like, oh, that's 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 awesome. You know, I'm, 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 I've loved Jim Ballant back in the 90s. You know, huge fan of his artistic style. Um, and so, you know, there was a, a delay in the release of the issue, uh, you know, because I guess there was a print issue or whatever. And so it finally released on Comixology this week. Actually, Tarot, Witch of the Black Rose, issue 122, if you want to Google it uh, or look it up on Comixology. And so I picked it up, and I got to say, Kyle and his wife, Mary, both make an appearance in this book. They are just about the only people wearing clothing in this entire book. (laughs) (laughs) I opened up to the first page. I'm like, oh, those are those are boobs. (laughs) <laughs> and then it just could, and there's even one part where the the main character puts on armor and then a page later says i don't need no fucking well she doesn't say fucking she just says, i don't need this ridiculous armor and tears it off like a page later like why did you get dressed in the first place and then she's naked the rest <laughs> of the book <laughs> i was like wow <laughs> and, and you know and, and like i'm reading like I'm just reading that. Oh, well, I to be fair, I didn't read it. I just like glanced through. Uh-huh. Yeah, you didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and I got to the Kyle page. I'm like, Kyle is in a panel with with naked boobs. Like this is unusual. And then Kyle gets killed. Kyle and his wife Mary bite it pretty violently in the pages of the book. Um, spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> but I just I I was like, wow, okay, <laughs> Jim Ballant. Getting the nakedness going on. Um, it was just like it's so weird because you know we've gotten we we very much are a big two podcast, right? Like we lead a, we we read things outside of Marvel and DC, but we generally only talk about Marvel and DC. And you know we've kind of become a little bit prudish as a society when it comes to nudity, so you don't really see a lot of it. Um, you don't even see a lot of sexual innuendo like you used to back in comics where, you know, like I mentioned, the Catwoman book where, you know, she may be in the shower and the steam is covering her boobs kind of thing. So, like, when I opened up a comic book and saw nudity on the first page, I was like, whoa. I was I was taken aback. See, that abuses me because a lot of the indie books I read, I've run into some of that. Like because you of- read that hentai porn. No, actually, I don't. Although one of them is one of the books I've been reading uh, is called Money Shot, and it is scientists who can't get funding, so they decide they're going to make porn, and they go universe or planet by planet, recording themselves having sex with aliens to fund their research. Side note: Wayne reads a lot of shit that we don't talk about on the podcast. I do. <laughs> well, you know what I miss. I mean, I. I miss along those lines of, of what you're describing, Paul. Uh, I miss those old, you know, science fiction uh, comics that you'd get like in heavy metal, uh, like you know, illustrated by Richard Corbin. You know, guys like that. Yes, There's, I think heavy metal still there, comes out. It does, but I mean, it, it there doesn't seem to be an effective uh, vehicle for that anymore. No, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I miss Epic Illustrated. Uh, in particular, Epic Illustrated. I always felt like Epic was higher quality than heavy metal. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, you know, I just there's that that sort of. I, I hate to use the word adult, you know, no, but I, 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 you know, mature, you know, in, yeah. in 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 the fact that we wouldn't have legendary artists like Frank Frazetta or Boris Vallejo or, um, you know, like you mentioned right. Richard Corbin or a lot of yeah. these guys without 
books like heavy metal and you know the, the 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 works that they produced and um like i remember richard corbin like he had a, a movie uh, yeah. wizards i think um you know back in the 80s you don't see material like that anymore um and it's it's weird but it's kind of, it, it was kind of like i associated with like british science fiction almost back in the the early 80s a lot of it had that that nudity to it that aspect to it but we don't really have that at least not present in my you know scanning of regular media you know yeah you don't have it from the big two no no but you know it's funny but the epic illustrated was a you know a marvel book right so perhaps i don't know like i know they talked a little while back about relaunching heavy metal and jonathan hickman was going to be on it and yeah and i think that all phased out well and there's some sort of heavy metal subscription service out there but i don't i don't know if it's just uh you know archived issues i, I do want to clarify one thing uh wizards was a ralph bakshi joint ralph bakshi that's what it was yes but you know same general premise Oh, absolutely, and I love Ralph Bakshi, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, I didn't want you to get letters, Paul. No, just, I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> Neil Dalton was already writing his tweet. That's right. <laughs> love his you, Neil. Very harshly worded tweet. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I, you make a good point. You know that that type of uh, of material again, it may be out there. And if you're listening and uh, you want to let us know, you know, hit us up on social media, IOM Geek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, because. I really that's I mean, not to be weird about it, but that's kind of the stuff I grew up on. Yeah, you know? I, I mean, I I had a whole stack of Richard Corbin stuff. I love Richard Corbin, you know, mm-hmm. his whole de- uh, den books. Uh, I, I just I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. And there just doesn't seem to be there's certainly a, don't get me wrong. There are a wealth of talented artists out there. There just doesn't seem to be a good delivery system for that type of uh of exploration. So I, I, I'd like to, I'd like to see something like that. I think, you know, I think it's almost like the days of, we certainly have, a. am sure that stuff is out there. There's you know, but the days of like independent books that set the world on fire, like the bones and, you know, and you know, the, 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 the dens and those types of books, like those are few and far between unless it's published through image. Right. Um, yeah. You know, and I think part of it is just that in the world of comicsology, it's kind of like scanning through Netflix. Right. You basically look for what you know, and because with a thumbnail, that that cover that you would walk by on a comic book shelf that may inspire you to pick it up is just a thumbnail on comicsology that you're going to scroll right past. Well, and we've had this conversation before that as much as we like comicsology, its uh, algorithms for suggesting comics is pretty terrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and their featured books always like the featured new books of the week. I have a bad habit of just clicking on them and missing books that came out because well, most of the time my books I want aren't going to be the featured ones. And I believe that those featureds are, you know, I think that's pay for play, right? I think that I think that uh, the publishers are paying for that positioning. So you know, you're you're rarely going to find indie stuff up in that area. Uh, you're going to have to to do a deep dive, and again, you know their their uh, algorithm sucks, and I don't understand that because, and you know, it's owned by Amazon, and Amazon owns Audible, and Audible is terrific at that. Yeah, I don't understand why Comicsology falls down so hard on that. Yeah, I've God constantly- knows, I'm, I'm I am infusing them with capital. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm constantly finding things on Audible that I never heard of before that it recommends right. that I love. Yeah. You know, we're not to belabor the point, but 
looking oh, at we're comics, belaboring. we're belaboring. Looking at comicsology, Aaron and I have dabbled in some of those additional science fiction books from Image Comics, like East of West, or mm-hmm. um, you know, some of these other books. But I don't know, like the sensibility feels a little bit different, even though it is adult mature science fiction or fantasy. I don't know. It, like for me, it's it's a little bit different than the type of stuff we're talking about. Well, and and the nice thing about like epic and heavy metal was that you it wasn't just a thing; it was many things. And so there was going to be stuff there that you liked. There was going to be stuff there that just wasn't your jam. Mm-hmm. It was all high quality, but you know it it really exposed you to a bunch of stuff. I mean, the first time I ex- I experienced Mobius was in the pages of Epic Illustrated. Yeah. You know, I, I just there is so there are so many talented storytellers out there. I'd love I'd love an anthology book that's as high quality as as epic or uh, or heavy metal. I wish I could remember the name of it, but there was an anthology book I picked up not too long ago that was all specifically sci-fi stories, but it wasn't like one of those come out monthly anthology books. It was a they gathered them, put them together, and did a uh, graphic novel mm-hmm. that I actually enjoyed. But it, actually, I can't remember the name of it, and it wasn't a monthly book or even a regular book, just a one-time thing. Well, so you know, if if you know, you know, if if you've got if you got a line in on something like that, let us know. We want to hear about it. Absolutely. Well, you know, this weekend we are recording this on July twenty fifth. This is the weekend that we. Uh, well, we wouldn't, but the world would be at San Diego Comic-Con. Well, uh, we would be telling you about what was going on at San Diego Comic-Con. Correct. That's right. Yeah. You know, but I think, you know, so they're doing a virtual San Diego Comic-Con. They they already have had a couple of minor announcements, um, you know, some previews. Uh, they announced a new Star Trek show on Nickelodeon. Um, you know, they've had a couple of, I mean, right now nothing's really filming, so there's not a ton of footage coming out unless it's already filmed like uh, Hellstrom the TV series on Hulu um, they anna- DC announced that their upcoming that their big crossover later this year would be called Endless Winter uh, but they haven't really announced any details on that and I think you know in in recent years the I don't know if it's because of relationship issues or whatever but you know DC and Marvel have been kind of moving further and further away from San Diego Comic-Con. Um you know DC is actually doing a f- their event uh on August 21st called DC FanDome. So I think you know we won't have a lot of big DC news until then. Um you know Marvel and and Disney kind of they're they're kind of doing small things. Um, at San Diego Comic-Con, I think they, they announced this upcoming documentary series called Marvel 616 on Disney+, Plus. things like that. But, you know, uh, it, it's Saturday morning. Um, you know, maybe some more news will come out throughout the weekend that we can talk about next week. But right now, it's it's pretty meh. Yeah, Disney Plus desperately needs new content. It's not well, di- releasing anything new right now. No. Well, it's only because Disney Plus is going to be ending sometime in the next 11 months, as we saw this week. No, that's that's DC Universe. Oh, sorry. Yeah. sorry <laughs> DC that. Universe, which is probably going to be ending, is releasing new content pretty regularly. Yeah. <laughs> in, in my head, we were talking DC. So, uh, <laughs> I knew what you meant. Yeah, um, yeah DC Universe, I know. That's a good point. They, they haven't made an official announcement, but they have stopped selling annual subscriptions, which to me, you know, we talked about this recently. I feel like come December, December will be the last month for DC Universe and all the content will roll into HBO Max except the comic library. Yeah, I, I, I'm sad uh, that... 
It felt like DC took a really long time to move towards the digital vault. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sad that the, I feel like they're going to walk away from it. You know, yeah. I, 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 I think that's really sad. I, th- I think they should figure out a way to, to roll that into HBO Max. Well, to be fair, and this is something I said at the very beginning, DC Universe seemed like an oper- seemed like a bad idea to begin with. I'm just going to be blunt about it. Yes, I paid for it. Yes, I got it. Oh no, no. Yes, you're still paying. For it. Yes, I'm still paying. Well, no, <laughs> I, I paid the annual, so I, I'm not paying monthly, thankfully. Um, but it's one of those things that. At the be- very beginning, I'm like, it doesn't seem like there's enough content to warrant a monthly subscription service for DC media. Um, I mean, with the comic library, yes. Uh, but, you know, its own subscription service, it, it, it kind of seemed like doomed from the start. Um, now, don't get me wrong. It's had great content on it. But if all that content rolls into HBO Max, which is really only a few bucks more... I'm fine with it. You know, it's it. I, I don't really use the comics as much as as Wayne does. Um, so yeah, you know, it was the comics awesome. that pushed me over the edge to do it, and that's why I'm hoping they do something with the comics. Hmm. But yeah, they even canceled their. Uh, they had their DC Daily show. They canceled that back at the beginning of July. Yeah, it's, it's the writing has been on the wall for a while that this is going to be going away. They just need to make the announcement already. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it's coming. I so uh, I think it's going to wait until after Doom Patrol's done. Yeah, I think we only have a few more weeks of that. I think it'll probably be at the Fandom, right? You know, they'll they'll probably drop it subtly. Yeah. Um, you know, I think at the Fandom we'll get a lot of big announcements. We'll you know we'll we'll they'll probably talk about Black Adams casting and you know a trailer for Justice League and you know a bunch of stuff is going to come out of Fandom. I'm very excited for that. Uh, and I, I just have to say, you know, as, as someone who does not subscribe to DC Universe, but uh, liberally uses Paul's subscription. <laughs> um, and the only reason I don't subscribe is, again, that it doesn't have an app on, on my streaming device. So, mm-hmm. you know, it would require me to Chromecast. Or I'm so, yeah, to Chromecast. And I, I just hate Chromecasting. Um, yeah, but that's, that I, was the I, biggest I, downfall of it when they launched it was they didn't get it on the apps they should have been on. Yeah. Um, I... I am hopeful that they take all of that streaming content and pack it into HBO Max. Because um, there's a lot there to like. I mean, I, the documentaries alone are fantastic. Um, I, 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 I really hope that they they don't just take out the, the uh, you know, big titles and push them over. I, I want it all. I want all the, the little obscure things. Because uh, that stuff's fantastic. And I, man... Plug in some kind of option for for the uh, comics. I think that would be cool. Yeah, it would be something that nobody else has. One of the things I watched on it was the uh, Birds of Prey TV show. Uh-huh. The yeah. one from the, I think it was from the 90s? Yeah. Or the 2000s? Yeah. But yeah, I watched that. It's like, I don't, I have a feeling that one won't go over. Yeah, I, it's, there's a lot, to, I think there's a lot to like there. I, it just, to your point, Wayne, failed to link into to the, uh, to the right suite of apps, and uh, I think that's sad. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And then they started rolling back the features they had. Like uh-huh. I, and I the remember when they made. Yep, <laughs> I remember when Paul started complaining that he wasn't getting the animated movies when they, you know, the day they released anymore. Yeah, there were there were only like two that were released day and date, like promised. Yeah, and then they're like, oh, we're going to give it a little bit longer. I'm like, screw you or f you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use my explicit language. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> well, anyway, let's 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 talk about Marvel for a few minutes because uh, we've got a couple of big 
big crossover things to talk about this week, starting with Empire. Um, Empire released, I don't know, what was it, Wayne, like 535 crossover books this week? (laughs) I think there were four. I didn't pick them all up. (laughs) Because okay. you guys know I don't like the X-Men stuff coming out right now, so I didn't pick up the X-Men tie-in. Well, so what would you guys think of Empire Issue 2? I, I liked it a great deal. Uh, I, 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 I think they're really uh, – they have done a really strong job of putting this crossover right in the middle of Marvel history. You know, really tying it to Marvel's storied past. Uh, tying it back into stories that, you know, I remember when I was a kid, you know, the Kree Scroll War felt like it was part of Marvel's distant history, though it had probably only been a couple of years before I started reading comics. Uh, I, 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 I love this story. And the further we move into it, the more it moves away from some of the problems that I had with the way the Avengers were acting. Um, I'm digging it. I, I, I and I and I think I I've really enjoyed the way every single character is portrayed here, and and the characters get some great screen time. It is uh, there, there's a lot of quality here on these pages. Yeah, I really don't know what happened with that Avengers issue, because yeah. that's been the only bad thing I've read of uh, Empire so yeah. far. I enjoyed the main book. I think there's some nice things that came out of it. Uh, you know, Captain Marvel with a with Ronan's accuser hammer. You know, that's uh, that's a pretty big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some well, of the tie-ins, like, uh, you know, the Lords of Empire, Empire Hulkling. A lot of the questions we had about how did Hulkling get to this point where he's, you know, the leader of both of these. That's what that was, is it's that story of how. So that's not a story that's place. already, that's not a story that's already been told. That's a story that's being told here during this crossover. Yep. It was a one issue. Huh. Here's how he got to that point. Here's how they approached him. Here's how he saved people. It was a really good book. And it's a lot of uh, his relationship with Wiccan as well. And uh, how. Does it explain what happened between he and Wiccan? Yes. See, I, I just assumed that was something that happened, you know, months and months and months ago. Uh, I'll pick that. I, I, I did not pick up any of the tie-ins because I'm trying to avoid that with Empire. Because, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't want to be chasing my tail uh, across the 616 reading a bunch of extraneous Marvel books that I'm not currently reading. Yeah. I got out on, on a crossover. I'm not going to get back in on a co- crossover. Yeah, so. you can <laughs> skip uh, Empire Avengers. While I enjoyed it, it was, here's the Avengers that are on Earth dealing with the invasion. Yeah, it's the other characters. And it was a fun story, but I don't feel like it added anything to the overall crossover Mm -hmm. versus the Hulkling one definitely did. That one, I think, is, uh, it's not necessary for reading the crossover, but it gives you a lot and lets you understand where Hulkling is at. So can I ask you guys what the hell Empire is about? Because you know the solicitations are very vague, I haven't picked it up. Like, what what is the what is the point of Empire? Well, do you remember way back in the day, Paul? Remember back to your history class. Okay. <laughs> the history of the Kree Scroll War. Yes. Uh, the Kree and the Scroll are are enemies from ages ago, and uh, way back in the what, what might might well be characterized as the dawn of time. Uh, the Kree, the Scroll, and the Kotati were all competing for 
what were they competing for, Wayne? What was it? Power, prestige? Yeah, it was I, one one of them set up the competition between the other two. And I think it was the scrolls were the ones in power at that point and yeah. set it against the Kree and the Kotati. So hijinks ensue and uh you know, the Kotati are massacred uh, there on the moon, our moon. Um, and the Kree scrolls go off and they have their war. And ultimately, uh, you know, the Kree and the scroll align. You know, they, they, they form an alliance. And that alliance is formed because they are going to fight the Kotati who have reemerged and are looking for some payback. Yeah, I don't remember which book it was in, but everything that we saw in. Uh in the first couple Empire books where they're suddenly controlling the plants and the plants are lashing out, right. they had been testing that on Kree and Skrull planets. Well, and I think the important distinction to make is, do you remember, you know, back when Mantis was the Celestial Madonna, right? Um, yes. And the, the Kotati were really represented as the peacemakers. You know, they were, um, the Celestial Madonna was going to birth a savior who was going to bring, bring peace and prosperity uh, to the 616. Well, you know, uh, the Kree and the Skrull, you know, crapped all over that idea and now the kotati come back not as you know the peacemakers and the uh the the uh the saviors they come back with a sword paul <laughs> and mm-hmm. they're gonna fuck up all your relationships and kill all your friends that's what the kotati are about now okay all right and and it sounds like you guys are enjoying at least the main title well i the, the kotati represent for me vegans Right. <laughs> because, you know, vegans, you know, uh, all seem like, hey, you know, I don't want to eat anything with a face. I just want to eat my leaves. And then you find out that they are miserable, murderous bastards. Vegans. That's what they are. Just saying. So just I get like that. <laughs> well, I think I will wait for a sale um, for Empire. I'm going to tell you, the, 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 books, the books that I have read are very well put together, stories make sense. The, the storytelling is, is uh, provided in strong fashion, both in the text as well as in the visuals. Yeah. Uh, I've been very pleased with what I've looked at so It far. feels like old school Marvel. It does. It does. And it feels like a worthy successor to the Kree Scroll War. The only thing that I'm wondering, you know, uh, in the original Kree Scroll War, Rick Jones factored heavily. I wonder, you know, we've, I've not seen hide nor hair of Rick Jones. I think he's dead. Uh, is Rick Jones still alive? Yeah, I think he's dead. But does dead mean anything in comics? No. It's, yes. People stay dead all the time in comics. Uh-huh. Name, uh, name talk one. Talk Gene Gray, Paul. <laughs> Uncle Ben. No, wait. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, Bucky, it's good stuff. Jason Todd. Mm. Thomas Wayne. Oh, wait. Yeah, Paul. Jarrell. Oh. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm curious to see how it plays out. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I, I just hope it can stick the landing. Yeah, yeah. But issue, I mean, you know, usually there's a quality drop off in the second issue, and this has not been the case. And it had a real zero issue. I, so far, they're 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 doing this right, with the exception of that one Avengers book. Yeah, and I don't know what happened there. That was yeah. Uh. Yeah, somebody had had coronavirus. Um, I'm I'm certain that somebody was was running a fever of 112 or something when they died. <laughs> so we, uh, you know, so we're going to hop over to the other big crossover that came out this week. Had a couple of uh, tie-in books, and one of the main books released, The Joker War, 
all three of us read Batman 95 and Batgirl 47. In fact, Aaron, you did not pick up Batgirl 47 um, until I'd read it. And I said, well, if you enjoyed Batman 95, you should probably pick up Batgirl. Well, and I was a little turned off by the preview pages for Batgirl. I, I got to say, I'm not I'm not a big fan of the artwork that uh, is on display there. See, I did, but I, you know, the first couple pages I found were, but I like as the book went on, I, I thought it was fine. I got yeah. used to it, maybe. I, and I would say the same. Mm-hmm. I would say the same. But I did enjoy Batman number ninety five a great deal. And uh, when you told me that Batgirl was uh, was good, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll give that girl a shot. <laughs> yeah. I picked up Nightwing last week, and I thought Batgirl was going to be tied to that, but it wasn't. That Nightwing book was pretty terrible last week. But Batgirl showed up in it, and it Uh, ended on a cliffhanger with her, was why I thought that she was going to be, you know, was going to be related to that. Yeah. So I'm curious about something. This is the first Batman book I've read since before Tom King left the title. Mm Mm-hmm. Um. There's a lot going on with the Joker right now in DC Comics. Yes. Um, Because on the heels of Joker War, at some point, we can expect, what is it called? The Tale of Three Jokers? Just Three Jokers. Three Jokers. Um, Do we expect this to dovetail into that? No, I think that's unrelated. I think, you know, that's Jeff Johns finishing up the story he set up back in Doomsday War. But I think it's unrelated. Yeah, they want that to be a standalone, timeless story. As in... When it comes out, will be timeless because it'll never come out. <laughs> <laughs> One more month, Wayne. One more month, finally. Um, so yeah, we'll this, see. <laughs> so you know, this book has come up. Uh, Joker War. You know, there was a, a lead-in story to Joker War, where basically Batman, Catwoman, and Harley Quinn have teamed up, and you know, Joker's behind the scenes pulling the strings, and ultimately tricks Catwoman into transferring all of Bruce Wayne's fortune. To the Joker, transferring ownership of basically Wayne Enterprises to the Joker. And so Bruce Wayne has nothing. And on top of that, um, you know, because Joker has taken over along with the broker, who's kind of like the head of the underworld bank accounts, um, that, you know, they've taken over Wayne Enterprises and they've released that they've taken over um, because it's been, you know, they, they've discovered that Bruce Wayne has been um, embezzling. Wayne Enterprises money to fund Batman. And so it's, you know, and on top of that, you know, Gotham police and all that stuff, um, unbeknownst to his board and, you know, the, the rest of the company. And so it's, you know, it's gotten out and, but it's all, you know, from the Joker. And so it's kind of like Batman, you know, is in this place at the start of the story. And you have um, a flashback at the beginning of the issue it's only like a three-page flashback, and I got to tell you, all that flashback did was remind me how much of a terrible idea it was to kill Alfred. Um, yeah, I got to tell you, those first three pages made the book for me. Yeah, I love because not only did I thoroughly enjoy the conversation with Alfred, uh, but I love that years ago Batmobile. I mean, it looks like an Infinity G thirty-seven with bat fins on the end. Of yeah, it. I mean, I love that car. You know, for me, it, you know, the fact that they killed Alfred literally to, just to replace him with Lucius Fox, like the same basic type of premise. Um, for me, it just it felt pointless. Right. Like right. we just swapped out one for the other, um, you know, and basically they took away some of the aspects of Lucius Fox that made him unique. And you can still have him as the tech guy. But, right. you know, you basically gave him Alfred type sensibility. And for me, I was like, you know, like the first three issues or first three pages of this book with Alfred, I'm like, ah. Oh, 
Like, well, and you're never you're never it. going to feel towards Lucius Fox as you do towards Alfred because Lucius Fox is an employee, mm-hmm. right? Alfred's family. Yeah. And while you can certainly, you know, be very fond of an employee, he didn't raise you from a child. He didn't step in when your parents were murdered and take care of you and have been with you on every step of your life since then. Well, and uh, not just Batman. He raised all the Robins, too. Right. And yeah. Alfred Alfred is so much more than just the conscience of Batman. Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, killing off Alfred is an interesting story point. But when you're an act two storytelling business, give me my Alfred back. And do you feel, I, I sort of feel like, uh, and jumping around a little bit, there is a moment in Batgirl where Batgirl hits her silent alarm and she's like, okay, who, who do I have that pointed to these days? Oh, yes, Alfred, no one's coming. Do you feel like maybe we're going to get a resurrected Alfred? I don't know. Storyline? I don't think so. I don't think so. Not from this story. I'm sure we'll get know. a resurrected Alfred at some point, but not from this story. Actually, I took you never that know. Like, I could see the Joker the doing that. I could see the Joker resurrecting Alfred in a yeah. Lazarus Pit kind of thing as a revenge, as part of his plot. Yeah, because yeah. the one thing we haven't mentioned is Joker knows who Batman is. Yeah. And, and you know, not only that, huge. he has purchased the movie theater that was showing The Mask of Zorro. Um, well, and he's, he's purchased them all. He's purchased all the movies. All the movie theaters. theaters. Or the yeah. Mark of Zorro, excuse me. Um, you know, in, including the prince that was playing the night uh, that Bruce Wayne's parents were murdered. So, I mean, it's I, I like I genuinely liked uh, Batman number 95. I love the art. Um, you know, that Jorge Jimenez was the artist on Scott Snyder's Justice League on and off. And uh, I really like his art style. It's very energetic. Yeah, I find it really interesting that Joker is just spending Bruce's money left and right. Mm-hmm. It's like he is going through it, spending a fortune. Well, like, at one point, I don't know if it's in this book or the pre or back or where they said, you know, you're worth a hundred billion dollars. It's like, wow. Okay, well, yeah, you can you can buy a couple movie theaters with that. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, one of the, I think one of the really interesting couple of the really interesting uh, pages in this book involve Lucius Fox. And, you know, he has been hit with the Joker toxin and they're, they're manipulating him. They've, they've, you know, put pins in his head and they're, they're trying to get him to talk. And, you know, Lucius is like, I'll never talk. I'll never talk. They're like, tell us what the name of this place is. It's the hibernaculum, but I'll never talk. Um, of course he's saying that in crazy, uh, Joker laugh voice. Um, so we're in the secret lab where Lucius and Batman design all those marvelous toys and a new bat suit is revealed. And Batman didn't design it. Lucius Fox didn't design it. And that's left open-ended as to who designed this suit in the book. I'm going to suggest Alfred. I'm going to suggest Alfred yeah. because it's been yeah. set up that, you know, and they talk about it a little bit in this, um, but they talk about it a lot in the previous arc, um, which is that Bruce Wayne had plans to, you know, reinvigorate Gotham City. And, uh, you know, he was going to build this new, beautiful city of the future, basically almost like Metropolis. Right. Um, and that was going to be his. That was even back in the Tom King books. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, it, it appears that maybe Alfred designed this suit as a, a celebratory offering when that happened. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's here, kind of what it's into that. So I, I, I proposed at, at, at earlier in our conversation that we get some kind of resurrected Alfred. 
could this suit possess an Alfred AI? Yes, I could easily see that happening. I'd actually be very okay with that. You know, Alfred becoming the Jarvis kind uh-huh. of thing. Fingers crossed. Because, yeah. you know, especially because they set up that rapport with Alfred in the first three pages. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it, it, it is much missed, that Alfred yeah. rapport. Um, and so, you know, Aaron, you, you, you gave a shot to Batgirl. You know, the Joker wore tie-in. And I got to say, the reason why I was attracted to that book, before you told me to, to read it, I, 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 I was turned off by some of the interior pages, but the reason why I was attracted to that book was the cover. Mm-hmm. It's a great cover. You know, oh, it's a great cover. And, you know, and it, 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 it really pings that Alan Moore story uh, in which Barbara Gordon is, you know, shot and humiliated uh, by the Joker. And it's got the Joker with uh, some flowers behind his back standing in front of her door. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it, it was chilling because of the relationship we know has existed between these two characters. So, sorry, Paul. I just wanted to talk about that cover because right now it's on my list for 2020 best comic cover. So I will say, you know, so the, the issue is very much just a conversation between Joker. You know, Joker basically tormenting Barbara in her apartment. Um but not like physically more, you know, he, he, you know, she has um, an implant, uh, you know, a cybernetic implant in her spine that allows her to, to be Batgirl again, uh, you know, and not be in a wheelchair. And Joker finds uh, the ability to control that, um, that implant and, you know, basically control her body, whether he de- deactivates it and she's on the ground or he can make her stand up and sit down, that kind of thing. Um, you know, so it's very much this kind of like back and forth between them. Uh, but for me, what made the book was the end um, where Barbara Gordon basically stabs out of her body and, you know, throws a, um, like a pole through Joker's back. Um, I just really like that ending. You know, I like the well, last page with them both like bleeding out on the roof. I just thought it was really effective that ending. Yeah. I thought it was cool that, you know, with all of the tech at his disposal, Joker manages to hack the, you know, electronics that allow Barbara to walk and, you know, to, to function as the superhero she is. I kept expecting uh, in that story that it wasn't something that he had to build from the technology, but rather a device that Batman had sitting around in case Batgirl went rogue. You know, I kept yeah. expecting that to yeah. be his brother I for Batgirl. And I'm like, oh, oh Bruce, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad it wasn't, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm sure but that's I, the analog computer the Joker can't get into yet. That's right. Well, and the, the, the threat of those analog devices, you know, I mean, like, I have been in the process since uh, being in lockdown, really getting some stuff in order in my office here at home. And one of those things is dealing with all my old computers because I'm I'm always afraid to throw out an old hard drive, and <laughs> that's Batman. Except you know he's got he's got him locked down because there could be something really important there about uh, Batmite. You never know. So you know Batmite. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I have to say I was nervous on this book when I uh, when you get to like page two or so where Barbara is changing. And you see her, she's like taking off her bra and you know Joker's in the building watching her. Yeah. And like that that is extra creepy and I'm not sure where this is gonna go. It's been a very long time since I've read Batgirl. She lives in a dump. <laughs> well it's got it's, it's probably still like a one point five million dollar uh apartment. 
<laughs> I mean, it is it is a dump. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, uh, Joker War, you guys in for? I mean, not all the tie-ins, but are you at least in for the main main? I'm run? in for the main book. Yeah, yeah, I'm in for the main book. I'll be in for the main book, and I want to get the next issue of Batgirl. Yeah, yeah. same here. But I and, think uh, any other tie-ins, I'm not going to jump into. And one thing I'll say about because you know, I said that initially I was I was turned off by the art in Batgirl. I, one of my concerns was that Joker didn't look like the Joker. Yeah, I absolutely hate the page where she throws something and hits Joker in the face. Uh huh. Joker just does not look. Nothing about him looks right, and doesn't even look like Joker in the other books we read this month. Right. I mean, he doesn't. I. I initially thought that this wasn't the Joker. Yeah, that when I was. saw that page, I thought it was somebody that the Joker had dressed up as him. Yeah, yeah. it's like sexy because, Joker. Yeah, I mean, well, and he just looks like, he he looks like 20-year-old, you know, uh, dance club doofus Joker is what he looks like to mm-hmm. me. He doesn't look like the very threatening, terrifying character that we saw in Batman 95. Yeah. And that was one of my big concerns about this book. That um, hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but no, the story's great. I, I don't. I think the the artwork tells an interesting visual story. Uh, I think that's effective. What I don't feel like is effective is continuity between the Joker we see in Batman ninety five versus the Joker we see in Batgirl. Yeah, so, I agree. Anyway, but yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I, I, Joker War entertained me, uh, and it's got my interest peaked. All right. Well, Aaron, I wanted to briefly touch base on Action Comics ten twenty three. Yes, sir. Because you commented that you loved this book. I loved this book. I hated this book. Why did you hate this book? I thought it was... Other than the John Romita art. Why did you hate this book? Okay, so the John Romita art is terrible. It is. Um, But, you know, I don't... Like, the the storytelling... And maybe it's because of the art itself. I found the storytelling kind of bad. Like, there were pages where I'm like, what the hell's going on? And, like, the Red Cloud escapes, and then two minutes later, it's like, surprise, Red Cloud's back for five seconds and then goes away again. Mm-hmm. I found that ridiculous. Um, and maybe it's just the art that didn't sell it. You know, there were aspects of the book that I liked. You know, obviously, the the banter um, with Connor and Jonathan and Superman and Lois Lane. Um, you know, I liked their interaction. And with Jimmy. Um, but... Maybe it's just the art that just really I struggle. The artwork, the artwork is terrible. I mean, straight up terrible. John Romita has no business <laughs> drawing this book. Um, it is it is straight up bad storytelling uh, on, from the artist's perspective. But the dialogue between the characters, I mean, one panel alone had me laughing because you know uh, Red Cloud, who has the ability to make herself into a toxic Red Cloud. Uh, <laughs> Superman warns the cloud is made out of something that suffocates even us. John, he tells his son, inhaling her would have been a bad idea. And he, Jonathan responds, hey, it's not my favorite super move on a good day. <laughs> you know, inhaling people, yeah. <laughs> inhaling things. I just, I just cracked me up. My favorite part of it was Jimmy, you know, the Red Cloud's talking and he's like, are you Robinson Good? 
Yeah, I mean, immediately recognizes her yeah. for her secret identity. Yeah, yeah, and and then you know later on in the book, Lois goes, "How could you possibly guess that that was Robinson Good?" And he says, "It looks and sounds just like her." And Lois says, "You've known Superman your whole life and never figured out he was Clark Kent." Yeah, <laughs> he's like, "I still don't think he's Clark Kent." Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, there were there were definitely aspects to the book that, with a better artist, I would have enjoyed more. But I really struggled with the art. Like, there, uh, the artwork is bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I really, I can't make an excuse uh, for how bad this artwork is. Yeah. I don't understand the fascination with John Romita Jr. at DC Comics. Yeah. I don't get it. I mean, I understand he has done marvelous things. I mean, his work on the Spider-Man books back in the 90s, amazing. Mm-hmm. But his work on Daredevil back in the 90s, amazing. His work here on D- at DC has been terrible. Yeah. And his, his, his late work at Marvel was terrible. He has adopted a very, uh, a very unrealistic style. Um, where some of his characters are just too wooden and too blocky. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does some great face work. Uh, I don't have any objections with the way he draws Lois. Uh, but man, I, some of his stuff is just flat out terrible. And I think he gets lost in some of the characters that he draws. Like he gets lost in Red Cloud and just drawing all of her explosive cloudiness. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just like, I'm, I'm so done with this. Yeah, you but know. I, I, I think I think Bendis really has a great knack for writing dialogue uh, for the Superman family, um, and I like how he has. You know, uh, they're trying to explain Connor to Lois, and they're like, "Oh, we've already adopted him into the Kent family. We'll explain that later." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. I, um. You know, the one thing that wasn't acknowledged in this book, but probably will be coming forward, um, and it, which is a new interesting status quo. Uh, Spoilers on, uh, and so Aaron, I'm going to spoil it, but you'll probably have it spoiled for you at some point anyway. Is that you know it was just, it, it's been discussed in the Jimmy Olsen book, right? That the Olsons and the Luthers are kind of like the Hatfields and McCoys, right? And that they they've they've hated each other for you know generations, and it was established in the conclusion of that Jimmy Olsen series that the reason is because they're they're actually related. Um, so that so Jimmy Olsen and, and Luther are actually related, and as a result. Uh, you know, Jimmy has access to the Luther fortune and is now owner of the Daily Planet, um, you know, saved it from all the stuff that's going on. And so, you know, I think we'll see some of that established in the coming issues. And I, I like that. You know, it's nice. You know, there is it, to your point about always being in the second act. It still feels like we're in the second act, but it also feels like progression. Yeah. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'm interested in seeing where that goes. And something we've not seen before. Exactly. So, yeah. Now, I I got to tell you, you know, I, again, the uh, the Romita, John Romita art is is terrible in this book. But mm-hmm. the, the dialogue, the relationship between the characters, uh, I like that I have the sense that Connor's going to be around for a while. And that makes me happy. Yeah. Agreed. I'm glad they're bringing him back. Um, you know, don't change his costume. Just leave him be with his leather outfit. <laughs> <laughs> so you know with Jimmy in charge now I just want to see just one panel where he's sitting back in an office he's like no chief you get me a coffee I want to see Jimmy smoking a cigar behind the chief's desk. that's what I want to see <laughs> well Aaron sir uh, you know, before we go into next week's books, uh, by the time folks are listening to this podcast, uh, it'll probably be on your Sci-Fi Channel on demand. Uh, but Sci-Fi Channel tonight, Saturday, uh, July twenty-fifth at eleven o'clock, is airing a documentary um, about Todd McFarlane. Ugh. 
I know it's called Like Hell I Won't, and it's about you know Todd McFarlane and his his you know setting up Image Comics and all that stuff. So, how I'm, involved I'm, is he in the documentary? Very. Okay, so it's going to be a fluff piece. It's a fluff piece. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Um, so I mean, I'm I'm gonna check it out. You know, I'll, I'll let you know what my thoughts are next week. Of course, it's of course it's a Todd McFarlane fluff piece, and you know his lisp, you know, doesn't doesn't help if he's gonna be talking the entire time. But I can't really talk because I have one too. I am watching two documentary series on Netflix right now, and neither of them are genre related. But I thought I'd share since we're on the topic of documentaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, Untold History of the United States. It's an Oliver Stone uh, produced, written, and narrated uh, documentary about where American history went wrong after World War II. Yeah, and it's really good. It is really good. Now, some of that Oliver Stone crazy creeps in. <laughs> you know, it, you, you got you to gotta listen to it with a discerning ear, but it is really very good. Highly recommend that. And I've started Fear City. I'm three episodes into Fear City, which is a documentary about the uh, FBI investigation into mob activity in the 80s and how they applied RICO mm-hmm. to those. And you get to actually hear the tapes fascinating i do want to see that i saw the commercial for it last night and you know that's my that's the new york city i grew up in right is the east and so that's why i'm so screwed up um well and you you had to go into into you know witness protection yeah my my real name's not paul that's right he's a big paulie he's a big paul (laughs) but yeah it's good stuff the two really good documentaries on netflix right now all right well, speaking of crime, we've got a couple of interesting crime books coming out next week in comics. Um, Aaron and I talked about That Texas Blood. Did we talk about yeah. that on the podcast? Um, I think we did. Okay. That Texas Blood issue two comes out next week. I'm actually Ooh. very lo- much looking forward to reading that. I don't uh, you know, know that the story I'm goes. looking forward to it. <laughs> I don't think we did talk about this. I think you and I talked about this offline. Uh, that Texas Blood has a terrific first issue, mm-hmm. and then pandemic happened. Yeah, and the pro- the concerns that Paul and I had because if you read the essay at the back of the book, issue number two doesn't pick up with the same story. Issue number three is not going to pick up with the same story. They're going to wait and tell you the end of that story in issue one sometime down the road when they decide to end the series. Yep, and. And so issue two will essentially be another first issue because it's going to be all different characters, yep. new new uh, new story, new mystery. Um, and so I'm really curious uh, at how effective they are because that issue one they knocked it the f out of the park. Yeah, I mean that issue that first issue was one of the best first issues I've read in years, uh, and I was so I was so taken with it. Uh, I, I loved the setting. I loved the characters. I loved the way they told the story. Uh, I thought everything was just on point. And so I'm curious to see if they can do it a second time. Me too. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to give it a shot for sure. Um, and the book I'm most looking forward to next week, Pulp, is finally coming out. Pulp is the new um, book. It's a graphic novel from Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. You know, they, these guys have teamed up on things like Criminal, Killer Be Killed, and then a number of, of works. Um, and so this is their new graphic novel uh, called Pulp, um, set in 1930s New York. And I got to be honest, I've, I've been very much looking forward to this. It was delayed because of, um, you know, because of COVID. Uh, and it's finally coming out next week. And uh, I will absolutely be reading it. Um, I know it's you know it's a, it's a graphic novel, so it's priced as such. It's a fifteen ninety nine book. Uh, I don't know if anyone else will be joining me, 
but I'm very much wow. looking to reading it. Did you say Not 1599? Yeah, I won't be. Won't be joining you for fifteen ninety nine. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to going to make sure that I reinfor- reinforce our explicit tag. Fuck that. <laughs> All right. So I'll be reading Pulp next week, and I'll let yeah. you know what it is, how it is. Um, but if you're not reading Pulp, we also have the fifth issue of Plunge from Joe Hill uh, Hill House uh, Comics. Plunge is so good. It is. I don't think I've read the the previous issue. I think I was holding on to that, so I'm going to need to read both of those for uh, next week. You also got the third issue of Empire. Yeah, and I'm. I am really impressed that Marvel is dumping these weekly. I yeah. hope that there's not going to be a huge, <laughs> gap. ridiculous gap, and there shouldn't be because they should have had plenty of time to get caught up. Yeah, so, I'm uh, thinking they had the whole miniseries ready to go. Yeah. Well, well, and if not, the pandemic should have uh, should have allowed them the time to do that. So. Yeah, that's what I mean. During the pandemic, uh, I think they okay. finished it. All right, so all that and more next week on Funny Books. All right, well, come on back. Hey, you, we want to know what you think. Uh, tell us about uh, about uh, how you can't listen to our podcast because of the language we use. <laughs> Give us a call at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. Call and tell Aaron to watch his fucking language. That's right. <laughs> do it. Do it. <laughs> podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs>